So the, uh, the goal or the aim of the practice is release. <clears throat> the heartwood, sutron heartwood. You look at that, the Buddha makes it uh, quite clear. <clears throat> one goes forth, uh, uh, and then one receives respect and uh, renown, gains. It says, well, if you just hang on to that, it's like you're just taking the the bark. No one can say that respect and being respected isn't pleasant but, or supportive, but it's just the bark of the wood, of the tree. And you develop morality. No one could say that's irrelevant. And yet, you, know, you get stuck on that, whereby you get very critical and uh, um, get quite petty around small details of etiquette and custom and so forth. So this is not really, that's not the final aim. It's like someone just gets past the bark and gets to the outer wood. This is someone develops samadhi, concentration. And this is the getting to the inner wood of the tree. But still, with that, you can be praising, you, lauding yourself, and looking down on others. Just uh, you know, feeling how wonderful you are that you've got these particular states and so forth. Um, so no one could say it's not important, and yet. You pass through that. So the aim of the holy life is this complete release. This is the heartwood. Everything else is there just there to support it. <clears throat> of course, we can recognize that the everything else takes quite a bit of doing. <laughs> you know, getting some samadhi together. <laughs> so it's not these things are not uh, irrelevant. You've always got to kind of keep this perspective on it. Mm. Actually, I don't, personally, I don't see it exactly as one, two, three as that. I think you get some degrees of release, you know. You know you're looking at perhaps, you know, when you develop a seal, you get some release from uh, disrespect. You know, you learn to respect yourself and you get release from, from unskillful habits. Uh, and when you develop that, just these habits tend to die out just because you're not feeding them, the manipulativeness or the addictions or the um, deceitfulness or harsh speech it just tends to fade out the more you recognize those those where those places are going in your mind and you just keep steering away from them it's almost almost biological that certain bits of your nervous system you don't know synapses or whatever they are you don't use they tend to diminish and the parts you do use more loving kindness and the Clarity and the compassion and the calm, those parts of your brain, your nervous system tend to get more energized. So it's just almost neurological. So it's, uh, but you know, you get, so you get some sense of release because you begin to feel happy, contented, you know, and that's a release from something. And with samadhi, obviously, you get release because you're not so hung up on the, Extensial world for happiness. You're not so much hung up on worldly dhammas, praise, success, other people's approval or disapproval. You know, so you've got some source where that becomes less uh, 
impressive, not less intense. So you get released there. Mm. But the point to me, the way I meditate and contemplate over time is this, uh, you know, from a calm, collected mind or the, the energies that go into developing that seem to be about putting forth a lot of strong intention to, and then release is what? Mm-hmm. The moments of release are like when they, that, that holding seems not needed anymore. Released from having to hold it together. And you look at that on any, on a fairly mundane level, seems to me that's what the feeling is about or the experience is about. You don't have to defend, you don't have to prove, you don't have to struggle, you don't have to, you know, win, you're accepted, you know, and that release. Look at that on a very kind of ground floor level of experience, what it's like when we, we experience that friendship or acceptance to ourselves or towards others. And those are perhaps bases we need to keep touching in with because I don't think it's entirely one way. You know, it's one general direction, but often you seem to keep looping back to, to basic things about how you deal with your own mishaps and, and uh, lacks, lack of uh, success or lack of you know, wanting to get somewhere and not quite making it. You know, coming back to okay, well, let's just, you know, breathe out, relax, start again, get back to basics. So what is it, what eventually are we releasing from? We're releasing from intentions or, or um, act sankhara. Intention is one of them, primary one. But of course, any single word seems to always be a bit inadequate. Activities, karma formations, habit patterns, psychological programs you know, tendencies we have that begin to define us. Our perfectionism, our idealism, our sense of inadequacy, our sense of being rejected, our sense of entitlement. These things which don't necessarily come up with words but start to become more manifest and generally, uh, you know, you you get a sense of it and after a while, other people will start to tell you about it. <laughs> if you haven't got the point yet. <laughs> but it's nice if you can get it yourself before. <laughs> you know, if you're running victim consciousness, it's good to get it before somebody gets fed up with you doing it all the time. <laughs> Still, you feel you're being victimized when somebody tells you you're being a victim. <laughs> so it's the quality of, you know, what does it take? The kindness, the, the equanimity, the, just the, the simple empathic clarity of saying it's like that, isn't it? And the fact that we all have these, you know, defensiveness and don't bother me and these kinds of uh, energies that run through us. You know, and everybody has... These, these karma, karmic patterns. And that's a good thing to just be able to kind of map out. 
because when we, uh, you know, release, release from these itself is an enormous uh, sense of joy and uh, freedom. Maybe not an ultimate release, but it's at least, you know, getting there. And these patterns can come up, of course, in one's meditation, in in, in relationship with one's meditation. You know, that um, you should have this experience because it says so in the book, or you're never going to get it, you know, or it's too difficult, or whatever. These are things which you feel your, your faith and your confidence just drain away, or frustration build up. And even in dealing with the hindrances, yeah, to a certain extent, the, the quality of samadhi is um, a hinge point in means basically, you know, the, there's freedom from those. Your mind isn't captured by those. Ill will, sense desire, restlessness, speculative doubt, dullness. But it seems there's uh, also a hinge point at which you have to uh, meet these with a mind that's uh, you have enough clarity and calm to to see these. Then you develop insight around it. So that being free from them means being free from being gripped by them. But it often means you can you can see. You can feel the energy of it. You can feel its potential. You know, you feel the sense of that uh, ill will or wanting to cave in, not wanting to bother, which is dullness. You know, a feeling of not uh, wishing to put forth effort or be present. Something that just kind of wants to slump. And it's not purely a physical energy. It's a psychological uh, habit. Uh, sometimes about defense, not wanting to be present with something. So we just kind of, boof, you know, fuzz out. I can sometimes feel this uh, quality coming up when I think of things I have to do. It's, it's, oh, no, 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 and it's time to go fuzzy. <laughs> it's not, you know, something I don't want to be with. So, in a sense, I just really wanted to just kind of curl up somewhere, get away from it. Or, wait a minute, it's just a moment, it's just a perception in the mind. It's only self that suffers. Nothing else suffers. <laughs> Thoughts don't suffer. You know, there's pain, there's pleasure, and there's sickness and death, but nothing suffers except self, which makes it nice and simple, doesn't it? Because the joy of it is there isn't one. So when we look at that, you recognize certain patterns and habits that definitely create a strong impression of me, me trapped, me stuck, 
me needing, me about to get, me holding on, me having got my bit, not wanting to lose it. <laughs> so certain so you, these patterns certainly create one of these me's. And when they start to, when you get one, you know, suffering is about to happen. Once you start to get one of these sense of being something, you can be sure, stay with that for a while, and suffering will be on its way. It's always very prompt <laughs> and dutiful. It never lets you down. It may take a while, but it will come. You know? So when one of these things forms, these me senses form, then you know, I am this, I'm not this, I'm never going to be that. You know, suffering is about to happen. So when we get, you know, that that experience forming, this is becoming. So you get the bawa clinging, taking a dependency, taking a stand, you know, having a, a viewpoint, having a definitely this and only this. This is the way, it has to be like this, I am this. As soon as one of those things starts happening, becoming comes in, which is the real forming forming, this process of forming a self, which leads to birth. And there it is. And it's going to suffer. It'll probably create or generate trigger off suffering in others too. So we come back to those tendencies because it's not as if you can start out clean. Everybody's already in the game. That's how we got here. So you've got to kind of come back to those tendencies you know, to be on top, to be in charge, to never have to be in charge, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> you know. So just just go to that as an energy, as perceptions, who it's creating, who is that, how is that, how does it feel in your body, what emotional pressures come up with that, is it possible just to pause, really widen, get the whole sense of that, breathing in, breathing out, widening, softening. You don't need to be this. You can be bigger than this. You don't need to be, you don't need to invest in this one. You can be, you can be freer than this. You can be bigger than this. It's that continued encouragement. And it's it's kind of it's beautiful. It's always very generous. It's humbling to see how you know this instinct still wants to ferret and grub onto something. You know, my little place, my my way of doing things, my setup. That's yeah. okay. It doesn't have to be unpleasant either. It can be pleasant, it can be enjoyable, but just don't, you know, watch the tendency to form. And then with the pleasant, we just feel like, well, so it's wonderful that out of, you know, instead of grabbing it, saying this is mine, my entitlement thing, how marvellous there is the beautiful, there is the generous, there is that which is looks after me, how wonderful, you know, rather than this is my entitlement, <laughs> you know. So life can be act a continual gesture of continual gratitude. 
you know, for, for that which is pleasant, supportive. And there's a lot of it. The unpleasant is something that we can widen into a sense of kindness and compassion. Just what it's like to be human is to experience separation, loss, frustration, you know, And sometimes this feeling of just being trapped in your own stuff, widening to a place of kindness, compassion, equanimity. It's like, you know, you're not the only one. Everybody's in this. These things are not just philosophical gestures. They're re- retraining and what they're training is a training to operate from a heart center, much more holistic rather than a thought, a cognitive center. A cognitive you're always, is very good at defining objects, this, 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 organizing, arranging, dates, times, places, one of these, five of those, makes this great stuff. But it's all, it never does uh, contentment, ease, it never does surrender. It can't, it's not designed for that. It's absolutely designed not to do that. It never does just that holistic opening and whatever, you know, in a bright way. Heart center, you know, use that word, but it's a, something much more holistic. We see things broadly. We can see this little self thing struggling, trying to get somewhere or be nothing or be something, and just, oh, well, there he goes. You know? and there's no judgment. It's just part of the deal that you have with these energies. That's what they do. They create this thing, this self-experience, and it's suffering. And you're just bearing with that or opening to that. So at least we can stop firming it up still have those tendencies, but you don't want to firm them up and sanctify them. <laughs> Which you can see is that the ugliness of, of uh, religion, isn't it? You, know, you sanctify dogmatism, superiority. Uh, we've got the only claim on, on the... <laughs> on the sublime or the unconditioned, it's, it's my territory. You know, ugly, totally ugly, gross, and, uh, you know, pain and hurtful that is. Do you, who needs to know, you know? Who's right? Just know whether you're free or not. Right can be sorted out by somebody else. That's a cognitive thing. Let somebody else decide who's right. Just focus on being free. So we're looking at or coming to terms with a meeting particular discernible tendencies. We've got a personal history all over them. You don't really want to go into the topics too deeply, but enough there to get a sense of this is what's running. And then you go into the energy of it, the perceptions, particularly the energy the contracting, 
the holding, the firming up, the hardening, the spin of it, the push of it. Defending of it. The righteousness of it. Widening, you know, this is, everybody has these. Breathing in, breathing out, coming back into your body, because um, in the holistic sense, these things don't take over. It's only when you, you can feel yourself narrowing down when, the, when these takes over. It's not a broad, open sense. It's a narrow, engaged, tightened up sense. Very specific. This is learning the skills of skillful surrender. And surrender isn't surrendering into these patterns, <laughs> but surrendering to something, to a widening out of them. This is really, to me, this is very helpful. Even on the, so those Hindrances will always take over when you become more contracted. It's going to go into dullness, defensiveness, ill will. It's, it's going to eventually it's going to come into those patterns. Stubborn. One of the important um, aspects of samatha practice, gladdening, gladdening the mind, steadying, comforting the mind, cheering it, steadying it. In this case, we're talking about so the mind, citta, mental awareness. So you have mental activities, definite programs, running thoughts, uh, recognizable personality tendencies and you have an awareness of those. So jitta in this sense can specialize sense is much more the the awareness and the, the, the jitta sankara or the formations that are coming up. So we want to widen into that quality of awareness. And then you get some perspective on the the, the jitta sankara. The um, Emotional uh, formations, programs, emotionally driven. And uh, in the third tetrad of Anapanasati, we see this sequence of um, not sensitive to the mind, thoroughly sensitive to it, tuning into that awareness, gladdening, steadying, freeing. So you want to go into that quality of awareness, breathing in, breathing out, just feeling that. And letting yourself be gladdened, 
in their awareness. So it's like a, almost like a resting back in that. It's, much, it's a wider perceptual field. Everything I say is suggestive. It's not, you know, how can you talk about these things? It's, it's a suggestion for how I experience it, widening, softened, more rested back into the knowing, into the awareness. Like as if you are just slightly shifting your focus from a foreground to a background, you might say. So as you can do that with your eyes, you see something close up, and without not seeing it, you see the background behind it, and you're bringing the background forward. You're more focused on the awareness of that. Enjoying that. Is that is, uh, it's not um, impassioned, it's not just intense, it's not going anywhere, it's not driven, peaceful. It's not completely released because it still definitely has these tendencies to keep forming programs to be involved with them, to get reactive to them. So it's it's not liberated, but it can be freed. So this is this stage of just release on a mundane level. We use that uh, quality of calm. And it's not as if you're suddenly, you know, agitated and then you go into deep formless calm the hinge point is when you've got some calm some concentration and stuff coming up a little bit of stuff coming up but you cannot get overwhelmed by it you've got enough power enough strength enough savvy to not get overwhelmed in it and then, then the trick is to just keep focusing almost like shifting from the pieces of programming to the knowing of them. This is about metta, kindness, spaciousness, equanimity, dispassion, and just letting them drain. You're just not engaging in them. And gladdening. Just feeling a sense of encouragement that we can be aware of these things without you know, acting upon them. They can be seen, they can be known. You can be aware of this. A lot of devotional practice is about trying to bring up this uh, spirit, this attitude of praise, of encouragement, of delight in, in purity, delight in Buddha, because these are purely perceptions and ideas, but they have a certain sense of what they do. Well, they have an effect. We surrender ourselves to that. We open ourselves to that. Resting in it. Let, let the Buddha do the work. Steadying in that. Freeing oneself from this uh, harrowing... Uh, self-oriented stuff, which is always fussing, worrying, quibbling, squabbling, struggling, trying to make, trying to stop, trying to get rid of, 
trying to get rid of myself. <laughs> and when you've got a self that's trying to get rid of itself, this is a busy creature. <laughs> I know if I get rid of all these self-forming tendencies, I'll be all right. <laughs> what do you think that one is? <laughs> So you can't it can't be done, can it? <laughs> but there is a way. It's this uh, the skills of surrender, yeah. a moment at a time. And it just it, what it does is it it, it reorients one centre to more the heart centre, the the quietly embracing holistic passionate, equanimous, being with in the present moment. And that by itself has an effect because you're not putting energy into those places where you, you, you know, those patterns that tighten you up. Gladdening. What it's like to just, you know, feel gladness. And there's something to feel glad about. There's something to feel disappointed by. You can focus on that. Or you can focus on that which there is to be glad about. Surrendering into that. A lot of a life is about this, really. Holy life. A lot of it is surrender, isn't it? You know, to a form, to routines, to a place, to a situation, to community... And the word is evocative because in one way it could seem very beautiful, in other ways it can be rather frightening. Does this mean blind, dumb obedience, you know, naive, giving yourself away? Well, not really. Um, it's a skillful surrender, not a stupid surrender. We have definite boundaries. And on a conventional level, you need those, the morality, the sense of you know, reasonable, agreeable um, structures. Okay. And then surrendering is like the sense of just, well, okay, I'm open to that. Work with what comes up in my mind. Internally. So I found certainly, you know, in monastic life, although some of it is really quite horrible um, <laughs> on a personal level, tedious, pointless stuff, this, that, and the other, but not, but not that much. Not as much as my mind makes of it. Nothing's ever as bad as I think it is. I can focus on the disagreeable and things I don't really enjoy and really my energies can make a big deal out of that. Things I don't like people can make a big deal out of. And it's one of the features itself that's rather disappointing when you go to monastic meetings and somebody wants to make a big deal about the, some thing you're not at all interested in, like 
you know, colour robes or whether you should have pottery arms bowls or steel arms bowls. You think, I don't care, you know. Somebody's got a big thing about this. Point. Well, okay, it's not a big deal to me, but it's a lot means a lot to him or her. Okay, we'll open up to that, deal with that, you know. So you can get irritated about other people making a big deal out of something. And I can get a big deal about other people's big deals. <laughs> so, you know, where where does it stop? You know, somebody in the kitchen's got something about garlic, you know, or they've got to have asparagus or whatever. And it's very important for her or for him. And you're thinking, it doesn't matter. Who cares if it's asparagus? We don't need garlic every day. Somebody's saying, garlic is the only cure. It's, it's good for your heart. It does everything wonderful. You've got to have it every day. Why she make such a big thing out of garlic? But then you make a big thing about her big thing. So we just say, okay, <laughs> we'll do garlic. <laughs> I can live with that, you know. It's just this kind of continual lessening of those 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 uh, aggravations and tensions that is a skill. You don't have to agree; you just have to just a sense of I can I can accept that I can be with it. And generally, what I found is that this this wonderful sense of the the heart sense has got a uh, it's contagious. <laughs> Because this is where we all feel most comfortable. If you just start producing that, coming from that place, generally what happens is that other people get tuned in and go, oh, well, it's not really a big deal. It doesn't really matter. I can be with that. As soon as you say, you know, this is a topic, an issue, then everybody's hackles go up and you get pressure and you start to have a struggle, who's right and who's wrong. No, this isn't going to... You know, it's not going to go anywhere good. Even if you're right, it's not going to, you know, even if you win. We're not here to win. (laughs) We'll be right. Where's that going to go? You know, more of that stuff. We're just here for freedom. It doesn't matter. It's not just like, you know, something bigger than we can be. And all this, something freer we can be than all this stuff that we get stuck in. But then, want, wanting people not to get stuck in things is another can be another issue. You just okay, well, <laughs> that's the way it goes, isn't it? But we just keep generating that quality and. The beauty of it is, is that there's a kind of basic sanity that we can tune into, we can come back to, it's, it's without this non-conflict. Something you starts to make your identities no longer based upon the presence or absence of garlic. You don't, you don't even notice it anymore, it's gone. This is small releases, but they give you good pictures of just how knotted up one can get.
we used to have some situation where the uh, they used to serve the porridge up. We used to sit and have it all together, and they'd serve the porridge up in these mugs because we hadn't really totally accepted the fact that we were eating something. So it was a kind of like a drink, a thick drink. We hadn't really got round to owning up to actually having something to eat at seven in the morning. So we used to have it in mugs, and people would mix it with their tea. So it's kind of sloppy. Then some people would like their tea put in the mug first, and there was one person serving it up. This one guy would be serving it up. So all the mugs would come to him, and he'd be serving it up. And just as he served the last mug, was about to eat his own, the first mug would come back for seconds. So this guy would <laughs> eat his, his porridge. Because <laughs> he'd just be getting to it, and somebody would pass a mug back for second helping. So that's why we gave it up in the end, because it was just this too much... Then some people would like their tea in the mug and then have their porridge put on top of it. Other people like their porridge put in first and their tea poured on top of that. And people would get very specific about which way their porridge was <laughs> going in the mug. It's going on top of the tea or the porridge in the first with the tea on top of it. It was a focal point for that, for that meeting. People would kind of place their orders. And if you got it wrong, you know, you were in that, you'd, you'd, you'd know about it. And, it's now, and this is something that uh, people would get really focused on. This is a wonderful example of just how, <laughs> you know, mind picks something up, makes a thing out of it. It's like it wants to have something to be bothered about. It wants to have something to take a stand on. And you say, you know, it's not a problem. Don't make a stand on that. You want to have something to make a stand on. That's what it wants to do. And this is the thing we're up against. And when it's happening, you know, five years later, you think, how ridiculous. At the time, that was real. And all the passions that human minds are capable of will, get, will, will come up behind that. Why these these can be quite significant releases in just wow, what am I doing? Not okay, I give up, you win, but wow, what am I doing? What's happening? Is this what I came here for? How come? There's so much suffering around this. The only thing that suffers is self. So when you get that sense of the agitation, just trying to you know, find out who's doing it, how it's happening, the patterns of it, the energies of it. Where it, even where it happens in your body, often it happens up in the head. It's kind of warming or energy flowing between the, the chest and the head, and you get a lot of tension or pressure in the forehead, around the eyes, the jaw, head tightens up. So it's when the, you know, the head tightens up. So when people really get tightened up, the head's like a boxing, like a punch, you know, you could knock nails in with it. <laughs> but it's feeling it running up your neck in the occiput, clamping the head down, charging up around the eyes, 
the corners of the mouth, the forehead, the temples, and you just go to those places. You don't even have to deal with the story, just go to the energy of it and spreading, widening, coming down, down from your head, down your shoulders, down in your chest, down into your belly, just running down, running down. Sometimes the topics themselves are just so loaded that you can't even go there without the whole thing uh, exploding or, or becoming highly charged. So you just go to the physical aspects of it. Breathing in, breathing out. Softening. Coming into the gladness of a something you can do. You're not trapped by it. At least you're working with it. The happiness of just coming into flesh and blood and bones and softening, breathing in, breathing out like a massage. Coming out of that. And there's a point at which it's like, you know, as, as if your, your center shifted. It doesn't go bang, but there's a, there's a gradual shift. Viveka, detachment, non-involvement. That's the first sense of it. You just get it in perspective. Viraga, it's no longer firing you up, dispassionate. And that's the sign suddenly the center has now shifted. It's more heart-based, more holistic. And it's like the tendrils of it just start to peel off. The grip of it starts to loosen. And you feel yourself coming back into a whole state. Lower, down. You're in your heart, your belly, your body. And then the ceasing that particular formation drops away. Gladness of release. And beautiful that we can do this, however disappointing and humbling it is to see how we've got, you know, wound up again. Because we, we haven't got wound up. Winding up has created... Self. No self doesn't create it, it creates this. So we learn that skillful surrender, the first surrender is to surrender into the fact, the apparent fact of self, where you don't want to have one, the apparent fact of suffering, where you don't want to be suffering, the apparent fact of holding on attachment, where you don't want to have it. Okay, here it is, tracing it. Aware of that, widening, softening, you know, letting it have its say, letting it peel off, dropping, ceasing, giving up, giving up, giving up. This is skills of relinquishment. And it's a process that takes us from tension to ease, from firm positions to spaciousness, from agitation and pressure to appreciation, warmth, equanimity, skills of relinquishment, skills of release. And we can practice this with the breathing, 
or with walking or with just keep it there as a as a, a sense because a lot of the time it's in our informal moments where the uh, big self forms start to come up you know it's when we're performing and relating and being there as as a person that these personal forms come up that's why a lot of the time some teachers say the only real meditation is wherever passion hits the heart which Ajahn Chah says the rest of it is just kind of you know five finger exercises the real meditation the real is when the whenever the stuff hits hits the heart whenever that happens whatever you're doing that's the practice that's where you work with it that's where you touch it know it investigate relinquishment <laughs>